I cannot tell you how many times I would start calls with brand new clients and they would right out the gate say, we want to do thought leadership. It was like, I think we know this just looking at LinkedIn and, and seeing what other people are posting. Like thought leadership is all their age. It's been all the age for a long time now. Everyone wants to do it. Everyone wants avenues where they can do it, but no one really knows what it is. All right, I'm going to put you guys onto an app right now that is, I'm pretty sure is meant for kids, but I've been finding myself using it as an adult. So we're, we're either of you two Lego kids or are you Lego adults now? I am a Lego kid. I like the Lego movie. <laughs> That's where I end. I'm a Lego everything. So I'm all <laughs> in on whatever you're about to say about Legos. Okay, this is the coolest freaking thing. And it's one of those things when I saw it online, I didn't believe that it would work as well as it did. So I downloaded it and it works better than I thought it would. It's an app called Brickit. Just one word, Brickit. And the logo is just an orange uh, Lego brick that looks like a bee. What you do is you pour out all of your Legos onto a table, just all the scattered Legos. It takes a photo of them, uses AI to tell you what you can make from the Legos that you have just in a pile. And you can select different... It, it's so freaking cool. You can select like uh, animals, Star Wars themed, whatever. So my kids have been doing it just out of... I mean, some of it's like kooky and like close to what it looks like. Like they made me a star the other day because they love Mario. They made me a superstar. But the other day they came in while I was in a work meeting um, with our head writer, Paige, and they saw her on the computer... So they looked up how to make a desk Aww. and they made a desk and you can see that's their drawing of page <laughs> on my computer. And now I keep these on my desk, but it's so cool. Like I even tested it with very few Legos and you definitely get less options, but it is so freaking cool. The amount of options, it shows you how to build everything and it's got to have thousands and thousands of things you can build in it. It's just like freaking amazing. I loved Legos as a kid. I would nerd out on this and... Uh, a couple years from now, when I get to introduce Legos to my son, you better believe I'm, <laughs> I'm getting this app. I might have to test it out sooner, but that is so cool, man. Name the app one more time. What did you say? It's just Brick? Brick it. And I do want to give a little asterisk to people who download it. It's one of those apps that desperately tries to get you to like pay for it. And there are ways around all of it. It is a free app, but you have to hit like skip and X on a million things before you get to the actual AI part. Get past that. Have a good time. Okay, that's a good story because it's a story with a recommendation. And I know there are creative people listening to this right now that still play with Legos. So absolutely go go check that out. Okay, what I want to talk about today is a post from Ashley Foss. Allie, I saw that you liked it. I know I liked it as well. She actually didn't get like massive response to this post, but it's said really well. And I think it's partially because she's always talking around these types of topics. So it's just, you know, different engagement at different times, but it was gold and it was worth bringing here. So let me read this to everyone. And then Ali, I'll have you respond first. So she says, she has these hashtags that she uses. Ask Ashley Foss. The question is, why aren't C-suite execs the best thought leaders for an organization? And her response is, it's not just because they're busy. In many cases, it's because it's the opposite of what they're doing day in and day out. And then she says, let's dive in. Often because execs spend so much time building consensus internally, they're a bit twitchy about sharing an opinionated point of view externally. They don't want to ruffle feathers with investors. 
They don't want to ruffle feathers with recruiting. They don't want to ruffle feathers with the press. They don't want to unleash this avalanche of potential negativity externally. And because of that, they come out with a watered-down PR or marketing-speak point of view. For something to be a piece of thought leadership, it has to have that leadership quality in terms of doing something new, helping people change direction, and helping people change their minds. And because that often causes a little bit of controversy, it's uncomfortable to make the change. Folks who are in the C-suite struggle to share these disruptive ideas because they've been told in every other aspect of the business not to rock the boat. And then this, I want to give her a shout out because she actually had a like detailed conversation, a podcast episode on this topic. So she goes to link to that. But if you just want a really good example of content that gave away something great in the post itself, and then you can decide if you're going to go listen to the episode, this is a good example of that. Like She just gave away something that's extremely insightful. And if you don't have time, you could have just read this post. If you want more, go listen to the full thing. So great job on how she structured this. Allie, to the actual content of what was being said here, your thoughts and why did you love this so much? Yeah, I'm a big Ashley fan. She's like one of my favorite LinkedIn influencers to follow. I've had calls with her too. She's very close with my mentor, Devin Bramhall, the former CEO of Animals and Marketing Advisor now. Um, and they're currently at Inbound doing a talk. So I can't wait to see it and what they talk about. But I specifically love this because when I did work with Devin at Animals, I cannot tell you how many times I would start calls with brand new clients and they would right out the gate say, we want to do thought leadership. It was like, I think we know this just looking at LinkedIn and, and seeing what other people are posting. Like thought leadership is all their age. It's been all the age for a long time now. Everyone wants to do it. Everyone wants avenues where they can do it, but no one really knows what it is. And I think we're seeing people like Ashley and Aaron Balsa who are coming through talking about what thought leadership actually is and like what it takes to get there. And Ashley does a great point here because I don't think most people realize this. Thought leadership, we refer to it. I refer to it internally with my clients at Sweetfish, I referred to it this way at Animals as well, is counter narrative. So the way that I get there with a lot of clients is I have them, and you can use Bard or or ChatGPT, what have you to help you do this, but look up the most common beliefs in your industry or kin industries or your target audiences industries, etc. And ask them to list them out and then do your own research on it as well. And then you have to look through all of those beliefs and be like, what is my alternative opinion on some of these? Do I actually believe? Yeah. Do I actually believe cold calling is the only way to success in sales? Or do I have an alternative appeal, uh, like viewpoint here? So that's how we usually find thought leadership is just kind of going through and figuring out those beliefs that are different from the norm. And it also takes so much work that C-level executives don't have the time to do because we can listen to a lot of the podcasts they're on. We can go through their Twitter feeds, but just like Ashley's saying, they're often going to be a little bit more refined in their approach and what they're talking about. So you're not going to see those like kind of disruptive views. So often I think like marketing leaders are great thought leaders, sales and revenue ops leaders are great thought leaders. They don't have to be in the C-suite, but somebody that has enough time to dedicate to it and cares enough about it is somewhat of a practitioner still. 
and understands that they're going to have to give that counter narrative opinion. And once you have like somebody like that, you should really kind of weigh in on them, constantly talk to them, ask them questions, do research for them, understand who they're talking to on their channels and what they're talking about, and then create an awesome strategy from there. Yeah, I I think it's interesting because those like high level people at a company, when it comes to being a thought leader, when it comes to even doing like marketing campaigns and things like that, being too close to your product can actually be a detriment if you're trying to, you know, do something creative. I once worked for a while, this is more of a B2C story, but um, I I once worked for a fairly large ice cream company at one point, you know, um, doing creative stuff for them. And I remember going to visit their factory where they made their ice cream. And I looked around and I saw them like mixing the, you know, everything. I said, this looks so cool. Can we get a video of this? And the owner, like the CEO said to me, nobody cares about this. They just care about what the finished product looks like. And I said, are you kidding? I said, I'm sitting here want to like watch this all day because it's so cool. So we ended up making a video of that, posting it, and it got millions of views, you know, for her brand. It was so cool to see that. And, and she said to me after, she goes, wow, I didn't think people cared. We ended up sending, you know, camera, camera people over there every week to get videos of like how they were concocting stuff and all of that. But because she was so close to her product, and she sees that every day, she thought nobody cares. And I think that that can happen when it comes to thought leadership is when you're surrounded internally by people who think like you in your company and all you talk about is your product, you can lose touch with what is thought leadership and what isn't thought leadership. Like what feels common to you can actually be thought leadership if you say it to somebody outside of your organization. Like some organizations have really great systems and it's just normal for them. And you can assume that every other company has great systems as well. But the second you start talking about that, they get inspired by what you're saying. They want to test it out. They want to try it. So it's important to share what you do, whether you think it's common knowledge or not, because you could like, you just never know what people don't know. And if you put yourself in a position where you're willing to be that leader and share what you know, you can make a huge difference in other people's lives. If you're a regular listener, a content creator, or if you've ever just doom-scrolled LinkedIn when your boss thought you were working, you already know that hot takes are selling like hotcakes in the B2B world. Online armies of thought leaders assemble en masse to remind you that everything you've ever known, done, or said is wrong, and they're going to teach you a better way. But before you blindly follow, you should know how to separate the hot takes from the hot air. And that can be easier said than done, especially for us as busy professionals. That's why at B2B Growth, we paid our writer a handful of loose change, pocket lint, and a promise of valuable exposure to do it for us, saving you the time and the headache. The B2B Growth newsletter takes a look at a popular B2B Growth marketing opinion and then pits it against an influencer's contrarian point of view. Find out what we've uncovered by subscribing to our newsletter now, which you can do at b2bgrowshow.com slash newsletter for the low, low cost of free. Again, subscribe to the newsletter, b2bgrowshow.com slash newsletter. It's interesting because in B2B specifically, credibility goes to the C-suite because of title. So you look at some someone with a C-suite title and you go, well, they're at a really great point in their career. So they probably have a depth of expertise that's worth sharing. We should put them more public facing. What Ashley actually harps on, and I pulled up another one of her 
She's done a whole series on this, but she has like four pillars that create thought leadership that I think are worth referencing here. Credibility is only one of them. And that's where I think this conversation gets lost often, like Ali, what you're saying, where someone will come in and go, we need to help this person because they're credible, have more of like this public facing image. And they use the term thought leadership without a better definition. So the other areas, the three others would be profile, prolific, and depth of ideas. And what you were speaking to, I think specifically hits on the depth of ideas, going and looking at what's commonly said, and then going and like thinking of the counter narrative, thinking of the other ways to think about it. What do you have to say? I think Brent, what you're saying is from like a sharing, like a profile perspective, there's all these things that we haven't thought about that could be shared online that could raise like behind the scenes type content, right? That's what creators are great at is like bringing people into these weird things that we've never seen before that now like you're exposing and bringing to light. So I think there's this kind of creator piece to it. And then prolific, there's there's stages to all of these things. So I'm not going to do this entire thing justice. But I like that she broke it out into four pillars and said, you know, in many cases, if you were to just do a basic assessment, you'd see that the people you're trying to promote as thought leaders, they might be high in a couple areas, but they're super lacking in others. And th- and we're all on these different scales. What's exciting about this post to me, why I loved it, and even like o- other content she's putting out is if it doesn't have to be a C-suite executive, sometimes it will be. It's not. This is not an all or nothing. But if it doesn't have to be, that means there's probably people hiding in your organization that are practitioners at some level that have valuable insights that are already comfortable on camera, they're writing posts, they're doing something and you can help like them think like this and you can foster this type of, I I don't even know if I love thought leadership as a term, but you could foster this within your organization or you could go higher for it because you have a clearer picture of what thought leadership is. So that's what got exciting to me is like, I don't think you have to just have these like high level execs and that's like the all or nothing that was my instant kind of reaction i just think the high level execs are the ones who are way 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 better and super gifted at the bottom of the funnel they know so much of their product they can they can sell to people who are interested but i don't think they realize they lack the top of funnel thing because you know someone who develops a piece of software might forget that the simplest part about it is the most beautiful and most attractive to the people who are top of funnel to really pull them in where they're not going to be attracted by all that like nitty gritty niche stuff. But the thing is, Ali, I'm wondering, like, like you, you've been in B2B. Is it possible to teach those C-suite execs to be that kind of top of funnel or do you just let them embrace that kind of bottom of funnel? I think it is, but I think it comes down to what kind of founder they are. They are like, you see like, Yeah. And founders that are like more um, based around development and engineering and then founders that are more sales focused, founders that are more marketing or customer success focused. You have all these different types of like founder CEOs, especially you even have like financial experts that are CEOs now. We're seeing a lot of jump from like uh, CFO to CEO. So some of those like personality types, the people that jump into those types of roles aren't necessarily like the CEO in front of the camera personality. So I think it kind of depends. 
And it also depends how active they are in kind of their community and and what they've been doing online and what have you. I do want to give like one tip though, like really tactical tip. Benji knows I love tactical take-home tips. (laughs) Give them away. Give them away, Allie. Go. I do want to give one tactical tip here. If you're a content marketer and you're tasked with finding thought leadership topics for your company, a really great way to find some is to go to some of your favorite content adjacent competitors, like people who are talking about the same topics as you are, they might not necessarily have a similar product, but they're talking about exactly the same types of things you are. Uh, Looking into their website on Ahrefs and seeing their top linked out posts, like the posts that are shared the most, because often the thought leadership articles aren't going to be SEO based. They're not going to have tons of keywords or anything like that. But your thought leadership articles will be shared on social a lot and talked about a lot. So you want the posts that have the most links that have been shared to understand what's kind of a thought leadership article and how it can like look and what can be successful for you. Good tactical tip. I love that. Okay. Let's say you're thinking through where in an org you would look for thought leaders, like non-traditional spaces. I think the C-suite for so long in B2B was like where we automatically look. But if you're starting to do some digging, I'll pose this at both of you. Like what what would be the questions you're asking? What are some things you might be like looking for to try to spot some of these types of folks in an org? Anything that immediately jumps out at you for what you would be looking for? I think that's interesting because to me, it's more of an attitude than a job. Like I would want to look more towards the people who are on marketing teams, things like that, because they're the people who have to be to be successful in marketing, you have to be willing to put yourself out there and take a risk. And I think if you have a CEO who is, you know, more sales focused or or, or something like that, or or might be more of a by the book kind of a of a person, having that kind of thought leader that is the marketing person that's not afraid to ruffle feathers, that's not afraid for something to fail, that's the person you need to rely on, even if they're not ready, you know, for a leadership position yet. Because if they're willing to take a risk and you've seen it pay off, that's where you're going to see it come back in huge ROI someday. It might not be happening now, but too many people, especially young people, when they go into B2B companies, I think they jump in and they just want to fit in. They want to hang their head and they want to not ruffle feathers because they know that it's kind of more organized than B2C, you know, that sort of thing. But if you have someone who steps in, has their guns blazing, and is charging forward with ideas, if you can have someone rein that in and put them in there with the CEO, even as like a mentor kind of a position, the CEO can learn from them and they can also kind of contain that that creativity. I've told every boss I've worked for, my biggest rose and thorn is that I call myself a freight train of ideas. I just go. <laughs> And if somebody doesn't stop me, I can go in the total wrong direction. And I've told everybody that that I've worked for this, and they've all told me it's true afterwards. And I think that that has some merit behind it because it's gotten me in a lot of trouble, but it's also gotten me some really, really successful campaigns and some really, really successful content that we've made. And I think CEOs tend to be afraid to put people like me in leadership seats because it can seem crazy or seem outlandish, but with the right people over me, you know, I feel like we can learn from each other. Nope. It's all you. I just wanted to affirm what Brent said, because I feel like it's spot on. I will just quickly add, Allie, before we go to you, I guess like the 
ability to do some of the co-work that you're mentioning, Brent, is a great way to elevate two people's voices at once. Video obviously is great for that. We're recording with three people on this podcast right now. So when you're co-creating content together, it's the same as in the music business. When you do a collaboration with somebody, one of those two probably has a larger audience than the other, more music that someone... Now you're exposing a new artist. When you think about content creation in that way, thought leadership is forever changed because you can co-create content. So you can throw someone in that's maybe more senior and someone that's just getting started, but has like a bunch of ideas or they're good behind a mic, whatever their skill is, and you're sort of elevating to it once. So that's great. Allie, what were you going to throw in? The one other thing I'd add is if your organization has people in seats that they sell to, those should be your first people that you go to for thought leadership potential. So when I worked for BombBomb, we often sold to SDRs and BDRs. So people that were you know, doing cold outreach to uh, leads. And we did that because we would encourage those people to send videos, to stand out in the inbox and start the process of creating a personal relationship with the lead. And so... Our number one thought leader at the company was Zoe Hartsfield, who's a very big LinkedIn influencer now. She works for Apollo AIO, Apollo. But she she was a BDR SDR using video every day. And she was talking about the product and her day-to-day and the challenges she had as an SDR and BDR. And that made her the perfect person to kind of lead that change and talk about building relationships and sales. And so she was excellent for that. All right. Well, I feel like we gave away a lot in this episode. This is a great topic and honestly, worth exploring more because I think thought leadership is one of those things that continues to go misunderstood and is being redefined as we speak. Like the rise of stuff like the creator economy, the the changing in mediums and like what it takes and what's required, that's shifting. But I also think there's like a talent to spot the people in an organization who would be good at this and figuring out ways to like foster that and motivate them to become like the, 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 some of them are already going to be posting or creating whatever, but like this really can be something that's fostered. And so we'll, we'll keep harping on it over and over again. Okay. As we close this episode won't come out probably for a couple of weeks after it's recorded, but football season literally starts today. So my YouTube channel request or it's a thing that you need to check out is the Fantasy Footballers podcast. One from a set design perspective, even if you don't care about fantasy football at all, these guys basically are just best friends that started out of their garage and have grown a multi-million dollar business. They have everything you could possibly dream up for fantasy football and more. They're very helpful if you've yet to draft, but you've already drafted by the time you're hearing this. But as your fantasy football season goes on, they're worth paying attention to. Great podcast, great video on YouTube. And then again, just from a production standpoint, they're worth checking out because they've built some uh, just a massive, awesome content empire. So that's my YouTube shout out. While you're over there checking out the fantasy footballers, be sure to also go subscribe to B2B Growth if you haven't yet, because you get to see, if you go watch this episode, Brent's little Lego things that his kids made. <laughs> so so we want you to, to be able to see that. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode. We'll be back real soon.